Hey, welcome to the Bill Bennett Show. Welcome back. We have thoughtful conversations about the news of the day, address the existential threats to America, and talk about basically whatever we want to talk about, Claude and I. Right, Claude? Basically, yeah. Today, we'll catch up with John Cribb, who's got a great new book called The Rail Splitter, the story of Abraham Lincoln's journey from a log cabin to the White House. Hello, I'm John Cribb, and I'd like to tell you about a new novel about Abraham Lincoln I've written called The Rail Splitter. You may have read Old Abe, my novel that tells the story of the last five years of Lincoln's life. The Rail Splitter tells Lincoln's story before he was president, and in many ways, it's the most fascinating part of his life. The Rail Splitter begins with Lincoln's youth on the frontier, where he grows up with an axe in one hand and book in the other, determined to make something of himself. He sets off on one adventure after another, from rafting down the Mississippi River to marching in an Indian war. When he's 26, the girl he hopes to marry dies of a fever. He spends days wandering the countryside in grief. A few years later, he purchases a ring inscribed with the words, Love is Eternal, and enters a tempestuous marriage with Mary Todd. Lincoln literally wrestles his way to prominence on the Illinois prairies. He teaches himself the law and enters the rough and tumble world of frontier politics. With Mary's encouragement, he wins a term in the U.S. Congress, but his political career falters. They're both devastated by the loss of a child. As arguments over slavery sweep the country, Lincoln finds something worth fighting for, and his debates with brash rival Stephen Douglas catapult him toward the White House. There's an old adage that says, if you want to understand the man, you must first know the boy. I wrote The Rail Splitter so we could walk beside Lincoln, through Indiana forests and Illinois cornfields and come to know his hopes and struggles on his winding path to greatness. Part coming-of-age story, part adventure story, part love story, part rags-to-riches story, the rail splitter is the making of Abraham Lincoln. Even though this book is a novel, I wanted to make it historically accurate. As with old Abe, I spent years researching Lincoln and his world to bring him to life in the rail splitter. The story of the raw-boned youth who makes his way from a log cabin to the White House is a great American story. If you've read Old Abe, please pick up a copy of The Rail Splitter. If you haven't read Old Abe, I hope you'll read both books, starting with The Rail Splitter. Come along with Abraham Lincoln on his remarkable, very American journey. I hope these novels bring him to life and remind you that the country he loved is a place of wide-open dreams where extraordinary stories unfold. John Cribb, that is some video. Well, thank you. Thank you for uh, for having me. We we filmed that not too far from my house in uh, Spartanburg, South Carolina. It's actually on an old Revolutionary War uh, yeah. plantation. Yeah. But the outbuildings that we filmed it in front of date more to, to Lincoln's time. So. You got a lot of presents in there. Looking for John Cribb, the movie. soon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't think that's going to happen. <laughs> very well done. All right, so let's talk about let's talk about your book, The Rail Splitter. It's very exciting. Start at the beginning, uh, and let's let's talk about the first fifteen, sixteen years of Lincoln, real quick. Okay, yeah. Well, the book starts him off on the Indiana frontier when he's a seventeen-year-old. Okay, so there's some looking back to um, Kentucky. Those those first, you know, early early years. Yeah, yeah. Through age about eight or so. Uh, but I started him off as a teenager. And um, and it's, you know, it's really in a lot of ways early on in the book, the story of, of, of like every other young person, young man. He's facing questions that uh, out there on the frontier that that young people still face today. Like, you know, what am I going to do with my life? Uh, 
where am I going to live? How am I going to make a living? How am I going to get along with my dad who wants me to do some stuff I don't want to do? How am I going to find a girl? All that kind of stuff. Um, and it's fascinating, mm-hmm. I think, to mm-hmm. see that Lincoln, you know, he's such an iconic figure that he was a regular person like the rest of us. You talk about him wrestling his way uh, yeah. through life. What what did you mean, literally, wrestling? Yeah, when he's a young man, when he turned about 21 years old, he helps his family move from Indiana to Illinois uh, just to kind of get them settled. And he, he cuts off on his own. And he ends up in a little frontier village called New Salem, Illinois, uh, just um, west of uh, Springfield. Tiny little village, about 100 people in it, um, which at the same time, by the way, was the same... Uh, size of Chicago, also had 100 people at, at about 1832. Uh, and uh, he gets there and his first job there, he's a clerk at a general store. And there's a, a gang of uh, good natured rowdies uh, that, there that co- they call themselves the Clary's Grove Boys. And uh, they size up this newcomer and they challenge him. Uh, they want to test him. So they challenge him to a wrestling contest. Uh, they challenge him to wrestle their village champion, a guy named Jack Armstrong, uh, you know, had never lost a match. And Lincoln realizes if he doesn't step up to this challenge that uh, they're going to they're going to call him a coward. So uh, people come from miles around to watch these uh, these two fellas go at it and wrestle. This is a very true story. Lots of eyewitnesses. And um, so I'm, I, I won't tell your your uh, listeners who wins. I'll let them read the book. But I will tell you that it was it was actually an important turning point in his young life. And uh, and also tell you he and he and Jack Armstrong end up becoming uh, good friends. It's kind of like okay. the story of, uh, Robin Hood and Little John. Yeah. Okay, okay. And uh, we got to get get the book right, the rail splitter, to find out what happened in the wrestling match. Okay, yeah. that's fair enough. Tell us about rafting. Yeah, um, twice he built a big flat boat with. Uh, buddies, friends, and uh, in one case, cousin and stepbrother, and rafted all the way down the Mississippi River to New Orleans. They loaded these boats with frontier wow. uh, goods like live pigs and corn whiskey and, you know, barrel pork, that kind of stuff. And uh, the first first time he's a teenager, he rafts, uh, they build this boat on the banks of the Ohio, and they b- go down the Ohio into the Mississippi and all the way down the Mississippi to New Orleans sell it, sell man. the cargo. Then they take a steamboat uh, back back home. And then the second time is when he's a young man. That's actually how he ended up living in that little village of New Salem uh, where he had that wrestling match. He lived there for six years uh, because when they were coming down, down the Sangamon River in central Illinois on their way to the Mississippi, they hit a dam. That uh, There was a dam across the, the Sangamon River there, and they got stuck on this, this dam. And uh, Lincoln devises a way to get them off the dam. He uh, he goes ashore. There's a, this little village is there on the bluff above the the uh, the hill where the mill is. And uh, he he finds the cooper's shop and he uh, he borrows an auger and he which is like a big drill. He takes it out and uh, he drills a hole in the front of this boat on the deck where it's hanging out in the air over the dam. Manages to drain all the water out that it filled uh-huh. with and they they push it off the dam. But um, uh, and again, it's a true story. And uh, but so he's kind of the, you know, the hero of the day. And he ends up living in that village uh, for Mm. six years, a very, very important formative years. That it's like that's where he gets into politics is that little village of New Salem, which you can still go to, by the way. All right. So the six years he lives there, he's how old? So he's what, 22? Okay, 22 to 28. Yeah. Is this when he becomes a lawyer? He yes, he studies law. He he. You know, he does a bunch of stuff when he's in New Salem. He's all famous stories about he's a clerk in a general store. He's a surveyor. He's a village postmaster. 
but he decides yeah. he wants to to get into law and you know there's no law school out there on the frontier for him to go to so he uh he gets hold of a copy of blackstone's commentaries on the english law and he just get you know people in new salem remembered him sitting on tree stumps and you know fences just with his head buried in this book and others and he reads until he is able to in effect pass the bar Wow. And uh, and that's been when he uh, after he, he does that, he moves up the road to Springfield to go into to law practice uh, with John Todd Stewart is the cousin of his future wife. And uh, he lives the rest of his adult life there. But that little village in New Salem is also where he gets into politics, because while he's there, he's still, you know, very young. It's eight, 1832. The people of the village say, you know, we think you'd be good at at, um, at representing us in the, at the state house. And so he decides to, you know, he steps up to that challenge. He runs for office in 1832. He loses, but he comes back two years later and runs and wins and ends up spending four years in the uh, state house. And that's how he gets into politics is from that little, little All village right. with a hundred people on it. All right. I want to come back to him in the state house, but uh, we're talking to John Cribb. The book is The Rail Splitter. Uh, it's uh, John's second book uh, on Lincoln, Old Abe's first book. But you suggest if people are buying uh, the set or, or at a time they should start with the rail splitter. So we yeah. get him as a young man and then and then get old Abe. I got right. you. Right. Yeah. All right. So I want to come back to the state house, but uh tell me about the the, the the love affair, the romance which breaks his heart. How old is he then and where is this this does this happen? Yeah, still in his twenties, and this happens again in New Salem. I should say for your listeners, just to be clear, but both of these books, The Rail Splitter and Old Abe, are historical novels. That they're they're, you know, written as novels, but mm-hmm. I, mm-hmm. as you know, Bill labored very, very long, longer than I should have uh, at hard to make them very accurate. So there's a date at the top of each chapter. So, you know, when this, this stuff happens, so this is the, hopefully, the, you know, this is the real Lincoln. Um, and the yeah. conversations that take place, you have researched. I mean, yes. you have a yeah. sense that these conversations that, that the, yes. the, the reader looks at and reads uh, occurred or something yes. much like that. Right. I, a lot of the research was drawn from old, out of print books of people who knew Lincoln and, you know, had right. conversations with him and right. reports from right. the time, memoirs, diaries, that kind of thing that I, I built the dialogue with. But uh, yeah, Ann Rutledge is the young lady that uh, is really his uh, his first love. And uh, he meets her. She's engaged to another fellow when he meets her. But uh, he he he's from New York State and kind of disappears. So Lincoln moves in and uh, ends, wins her heart and they come to an understanding. Um, it's not clear whether they were formally engaged or whether it was an understanding, you know, more of an informal understanding, but clearly there was a, there was an understanding there and, and deep feelings. And, um, and then she quite suddenly caught fever uh, and, uh, and died. It didn't take, you know, in a matter of days, really, she was gone. What was the fever that was like that? They don't really know. They called it brain fever back then. It could have been, you know, it was something, something was going around. It was a, that summer that she died was a strange summer. It got real cold and it got real, very hot and it was humid and, uh, and just yeah. a lot of people got sick. Um, so she passes away. And this is one of the really, I think, the two times in Lincoln's life where he becomes maybe genuinely what you could call, you know, depressed. Like clinical depression. Real, yeah, real, real yeah. Depression. yeah. I think, yeah, where he was not functioning for, for, you know, several days very well. He went out and just was wandering in the woods and his friends had to come find him and take him back to uh, there's mm. a couple of the. Um, the greens and they took him into their house. No, real grief, real grief. Yeah. Yeah. And he, he 
you know, he gradually comes back, but um, that's the one of those episodes where he really, I think, does uh, is is truly depressed. He marries Mary Todd, but but the feeling wasn't as intense there. You you think? I know. I think it was a different. It was love, definitely. I think. I mean, they're different. People have different opinions about this. Um, there's some historians that think it was a sort of a loveless marriage. I don't see that. I think he genuinely loved Mary Todd um, in a different way. I think Mary Todd uh, was, in some ways, you know, he was attracted. I think to 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 people that needed taken care of in some ways, and she was one of those 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 people. Uh, she was very strong in some re- uh, respects, but in other respects, she was almost yeah. childlike. Um, so uh, very, very different person from a very different background. I mean, she yeah. was from a well-to-do uh, right. family. Right. But I think, I think there is love there, but it was a stormy marriage. Let's put it that way. But it yeah. was a, I think it was a, a loving marriage. Let's go back to the state house. Uh, let's go to the political career. Exactly. The time we have, and I know you're, it's limited. Uh, this is John Cribb and the, uh, the book, uh, the book is called Rail Spitter, the leaked years early. State House, beginning of politics. Let's take it from there to the one of my favorite parts of American history, uh, the Lincoln Douglas debates. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. The state when he first um, is elected to the State House, the capital is a frontier town called Vandalia, and so Lincoln gets down there and makes his mark pretty quickly. Um, you know, back then people didn't make careers out of being in politics, so uh, the most of the people that he was in the State House with. Uh, as a freshman, were, were freshmen, just like him. Uh, but people pretty quickly realize uh, Lincoln's capabilities. As a matter of fact, that that delegation from uh, Sangamon County, where he's from, is a very impressive group of people. Uh, they called them the Long Nine because um, they uh, there, there are nine of them, and they were all extremely tall guys for the most part. Um, and they turned out to be you know, future senators and, and, and all kinds of judges, impressive people. Uh, but Lincoln, um, he spends four terms in the state house and that's really where he, you know, first hones his political skills. Um, he was not known though, really as he was voted as a very clever, uh, person and a, a good politician. He's one of the politicians that helps, uh, snatch the, seat of government away from Vandalia and move it to Springfield, where he uh, where he's gone into to, to practice to law practice. Um, but I think at that era, you know, the state house, he, you know, it, in some ways it was his, his preparation for for greatness, a proving ground. Okay. But, okay. It, but he's a young he's a young raw boned politician um, that makes mistakes, and uh, you know we don't really see the the true really mature Lincoln until years later after he's been out of office for a while, served one term of Congress, and then just spent some time uh, as a lawyer. And then when he steps onto that, that national stage for the first time in the Lincoln-Douglas debates, I think that's, that's you know, that period is where you really are seeing the, the great Lincoln emerge. John, how old is he with the Lincoln-Douglas debates? Well, those were in 1858. So he was just, what, 40, 49. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. So, and it catches fire, this... This idea of, of equality and slavery, this catches fire in his brain, right? And and this is and the rail splitter tells us about these debates. Yeah, yeah. All, this is all all you track right. So you're at his side every page um, as he's going through all this stuff. And he um, well, there's some of the great debates in American history. There's yes. some of just the greatest things. Go they ahead. really are, and uh, and that's that's covered. 
um, you, you kind of live through those debates with him. He, um, back up a little bit, he serves one term in Congress and then he's out of politics for several years. Um, practicing law. Well, I shouldn't say he's out of politics, he's out of elective office. He has a hand in politics, but he's practicing law. And that's really a period where, in the view of most historians, it's a lot of inward looking, you know, it's period, but, but also a period where he he really thinks through all these issues. And then the Kansas-Nebraska Act comes along in 1854, which uh, opens the door to the possibility of slavery spreading out of the South into the rest okay. of the nation. Okay. And that's when he jumps back into politics. He runs for uh, the Senate in uh, 1854, really early 1855. He loses uh, that election. But then uh, Stephen Douglas is up for election again in 1858. So Lincoln takes him on. And that's why those debates take place in 1858. Uh, he's running for the Senate against Stephen Douglas. Um, and um, he Douglas is getting all the attention. Wherever he goes, there's a big crowd. He's a very famous, one of the most famous politicians in America. And a great uh, and speaker, right? And a fantastic speaker. Uh, and a very, you know, some people love him. Others hate him. But uh, Lincoln is kind of starts off the campaign just kind of following him around. And Douglas would give a speech and crowds would come. And then after he spoke, when he was done, Lincoln would step up and say, hey, if anybody wants to hear what I have to say, you know, come back tonight or come back tomorrow. And um, this happens a couple of times in Springfield and Chicago. But then uh, Lincoln and his team challenge Douglas to, you know, one on one debates. Uh, and Douglas at first doesn't want to do it. I mean, you know, he, he thinks, well, why should I give, you know, Lincoln the, yeah. any attention? Yeah, this but sounds they, familiar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but you know, he realizes that if he doesn't, um, he doesn't accept the challenge that he'll he'll be called a coward. So, uh, so um, they decide they will have seven more debates in the remaining seven counties since they've already done Illinois, uh, Springfield, and Chicago. So they'll do these seven seven more debates, seven different towns around the uh, state and farmers and shopkeepers flock by the thousands to come hear these two guys uh, hash it out over the, um, over yeah. the issues of the day, especially slavery. Yeah. Let, let, let's, let's, let's dig into that just for a second, uh, because I've, I've marveled at this as you've, as you've told me about it. These debates were not like the TV debates we see now, which go about 40 minutes, count commercials, yeah. maybe an hour. How long did these debates go? They were three hours apiece, I think. It was like... Un um, un I think, un unbelievable. Yeah. yeah, one, I think the first, and they alternate heard who went first, but the first speaker would go an hour and a half. And then I think the second speaker would go for the rebuttal of an hour. And then the first speaker got to come back for a half an hour more. I think that was the formula. And the crowds were in the thousands? They were, yeah, they were big and they were raucous. Um, and yeah, how, did, was, how did they get, how did they hear? I mean, there was no microphone, no amplification, right? Yeah. I don't, I don't think all of them did hear, although they were, you know, orators were very, very good at projecting their voices back then. So they could, right. they could wow. throw their voices a long way. Uh, Stephen Douglas, you know, even though he was a, a short man, was barrel chested and, and that was one advantage. Yeah. And he was known for, for projecting this, this voice. Uh, Lincoln's voice he could project too was a higher kind of twangier voice, but he could get it out there. But, um, you know, these debates have been described as, you know, kind of, it's kind of like part circus, part foot, like people go to a football game. It was political yeah. theater. Yeah. Um, people were, you know, were, would comment to the speakers sometimes while the, you know, Lincoln and Doug were, were, were speaking, people would yell back at them and then they would respond. And it was kind of a, they were kind of raucous affairs, but people loved them. And there were stenographers there from newspapers that were um, taking down, you know, what these 
people, what these two guys said, because newspaper editors pretty quickly realized that something special was going on out of the yeah, series in right, Illinois. Right. And, they, and so these speeches were reprinted, uh, or, or these debate uh, speeches were reprinted all over the, the country. And yeah. that's, that's why they got so much uh, attention. And this it could be argued, as uh, you know, several scholars have argued, this was the, you know, the most serious debate ever on the doctrinal foundations of, uh, of America, equality. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, the, the, we hadn't seen anything like this since the founders, really. Yeah. Um, where does the rail splitter end in relation to the Lincoln-Douglas debates and Lincoln becoming president? Yeah. How far do you go? About a year afterwards. So Lincoln, he they had these debates and then they have the election, which is actually, you know, back then the legislators chose the senators. And so the debates, the election was really for the people who were going to go to the assembly, the state assembly. And, uh, and then the, the, those people in the assembly would choose the senator. Lincoln won the popular vote in that 1858 election, but because of the way, uh, just the demographics of, of how, you know, the, the, the votes were apportioned, um, there were more Democrats took took seats in the legislator legislature. Yeah. So uh, so Douglas is sent back to the Senate. So Lincoln loses, um, and uh, the rail splitter ends shortly after that um, because the uh, as I say these speeches were reprinted all over the um, the country. And uh, the last chapter in, in the book is he uh, runs into a colleague, a fellow attorney uh, of his, named as. Uh, Jesse fell and uh, fell pulls him aside and says, I've been traveling back east and everybody's talking about you. They've been reading these debates and you ought to run for president. Mm. And I, yeah, you, yeah, can you provide yeah. me with some background information on yourself and, and Lincoln's initial reaction? And it, it, it may have been, you know, just simply being modest, because I think he, you know, by the time his mind was churning, he said, you're crazy. Nobody's going to vote for me. And fell says, no, 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 I want to I want to do this. So he Lincoln goes home and, and uh, talks it over with Mary and, the uh, the book ends as he's just beginning to uh, mm-hmm. pen the paper for that. And then so in late 1859 and then uh, the uh, old day uh, picks, picks up in this uh, May of 1860 when he's uh, in Decatur and the Illinois Republicans are getting ready to put him. Forward. Got it. Got it. John, it's a I'll step back from the book. Second, that's almost a commonplace. I'm sure you've seen it when people say don't get discouraged. Who is the person? And they list all these things, all these failures. And if you're listening closely over the last half hour, turns out Lincoln lost a lot of elections, right? Yeah. Yeah. He actually is it true. He actually lost more elections than he won. Of course, he won to big ones a couple of times yeah but, uh, but he he lost a lot right i mean this is used as a as a as a message to don't get discouraged yeah because uh, look at the case of lincoln is that fair yeah it is he he did you know he had setbacks along the way just like everybody else he lost elections he in business the business world he um you know he, he went into partnership with a friend when he was a young man in that village of new salem and they tried to start a general store and it, it was a bad idea from the beginning. And they went out of business. So when thousands of dollars, it took him years to years to pay off uh, in the law. He met setbacks. Great story that I tell in the rail splitter about how he was got involved with a big case that was tried in Cincinnati involving the McCormick Reaper. And he was so excited to be part of this huge case. It was a patent infringement. He goes out there and uh, this is the McCormick Reaper we're all familiar with. Yeah. Yeah. The invention, the great Reaper. Okay. Yeah. There was a company called the Manny Company that was suing uh, the McCormick Company. And so Lincoln was on the Manny team and he gets out to Cincinnati and he's all excited about being part of his case. And he 
he gets off the train and walks to the hotel where all the other lawyers are staying. And uh, there's the, one of the lead attorneys on his own team uh, was a very well-known, successful attorney from uh, Pittsburgh, but he's a very arrogant guy. And he takes one look at Lincoln and he says, who hired that long-armed baboon? And he says, he'll do it. So uh-huh. no good at all. He completely, uh-huh. completely cuts Lincoln out of his case. He won't let him say a word in the courtroom, won't let him accept his briefs or anything. And, uh, you know, a lot of people might have gotten discouraged to just quit the whole business. But Lincoln, I think it just make, he makes up his mind to just even, you know, be the best lawyer he can be. Here's the great thing, the kicker. Uh, years later, he hires, when he's president, he hires that arrogant attorney from Pittsburgh to be in his cabinet. His name is uh, uh, Stanton, Edwin Stanton. Hires him to be his secretary. Edwin Stanton, yeah. They become, he's a great cabinet member. They work well together. They become good friends. Stanton is the one when, you know, he's at Lincoln's bedside when he dies and he says now he belongs to the ages. Uh, but wow. Lincoln, yeah, Lincoln hired him even though he dissed him all those years. Well, that's there's a lesson there too, isn't there? Right. About- yeah, now this is a, this is a great book, I think, for 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 all ages, of course, but for young people, um, because this is a story of a life's journey. And it is, you know, generations of Americans have been inspired by that yeah. journey from a log, yeah. log cabin to the White House. And yeah. that's one reason I wrote this book. I don't want us to lose that, that sense of inspiration over Lincoln's uh, story. American dream. American dream comes true. Exactly. It comes true for Lincoln, right? right. He had it rough. Uh, he had it much rougher than most of us, right? Yes. Precisely. Thank you, John Cribb. The book is The Rail Splitter. The author is John T.E. Cribb, and I'll tell you, you can trust it. I have worked with this guy, Mr. Cribb, and uh, this guy is careful, meticulous. Uh, gosh, you were all over the place, uh, <laughs> all, all over the Lincoln birthplace and every place else through writing this book. Thank you, John Cribb. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you, Bill. You, you betcha. Bye. Thank you. Well, that does it for today's show. To catch up on previous episodes of the show, go to thebillbennettshow.com. You can follow me on Twitter at William J. Bennett. You can like me on Facebook. Just search Bill Bennett. Feel free to email the show. I'd love to hear from you. It's billbennettpodcast at gmail.com. Please share the podcast with your family and friends, and we'll catch up next week.